I'm so excited to talk with my girl because she is a queen, figuratively and literally, okay? Miss Wiltshire, Alabama, you see what I'm saying? We're going to talk about pageant life. We're going to talk about disability. We're going to talk about everything, y'all. It's about to be real cute. So listen, it was a little tough with all of the police brutality and all of that sh that shit got to me this morning and uh i just wasn't having it so it kind of threw me off but we here okay because i had to hit up my girl and make sure i checked in with her to make sure that she was okay because that's where we need to be at right now as black people um i wanted to make sure that she was okay and that she was okay with doing this interview um to be completely honest i was thinking about even postponing it just because I was really fucked up this morning behind it. Um, but at the same time, I thought about, well, this is the exact content that we need to be pushing out here during this time, especially when it's two young black women coming together to talk about disability, to talk about the things that we are achieving in spite of being black, in spite of having a disability and being women. Okay, so listen, if y'all are just getting a taste of what it's like being black, but when you are a black woman with a disability on top of it, baby, there's levels to, to what goes on in our minds beyond just what we have to go through every day. So, but I was like, okay, K is down. I'm going to remain to be down and we're going to do this interview and we're going to talk and we just gonna we just gonna make this work. So, Kay, baby, um, are you OK? Are you good, girl? Are you ready to send in that request, hunty? Yeah. Hey, girl, how are you? You know, we're holding on. You, you better. Girl, ain't that the truth? First of all, can we get into this purple hair vibe that we've got going on today? Okay, it's the vibes. The vibes are here. The vibes are here, girl. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> you got your purple. I literally re-dyed mine this morning because I was like, it was looking a little faded. So I was like, let me put some more color into it. See, my real hair is fading. It's not, it's more silver right now. I got to get it recolored. But that's yeah. Fine. Yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah, it's okay, though. We making it work. We making it cute, okay? Yes. <laughs> it is all a vibe. So for anyone who doesn't know who this queen is, like I've been saying literally and figuratively, um, please, Kay, break down kind of like a little bit of your backstory. You know, uh, what is your disability and all of that? And how did you kind of start your journey um, in being an influencer and so much more? Um, you know, with a disability? Well, to make 
just long story short, I moved to Birmingham in 2013. I'm originally from Mississippi. Mm -hmm. uh, once I got fired from my job in 2015, I had to kind of rediscover, you know, what what makes me happy? Because <clears throat> it was like dead-end job after dead-end job for me. And then, you know, once you lose a job, it's hard to get another job in our situations. Oof, so, girl. I was over the whole hiring process and um, being in corporate America and all of that. So I just discovered that, you know, I have a presence. Why not expand that? And so I started the modeling. I started the fashion shows. And then it grew into people contacting me to do different things. And that grew into people. People were contacting me to do this pageant for two years. But we don't get into that later. Right. And so that's where kind of where I am now. Just just exploring more of who I am and figuring out that this is my passion. This is what I love to do. I love that. I love that. And I love that because, girl, trying to get a job with a disability, that's a whole, listen. That's a whole, we're going to need about a whole other show on that. <laughs> okay. Because it's so real. But I think it's, it's, it's really important to, for one, people to understand that getting a job, period, as a person with a disability is a challenge. And when we lose our jobs, or even if we choose to leave our jobs, we are literally risking our entire futures, exactly. our health, our well-being. And so um, when you got let go of your job, because I kind of want to speak into that, because I, I think it ultimately ties into um, having to have courage and the mindset that it takes to make the decision like, okay, I lost my job but now I'm going to do what I love. So what was that thing in you that um, made you have the courage to make a decision like that? Um, I want to say that was the first job I lost that like hurt my feelings to the core. Like I, I went out, I had already planned to go out that night. I still went out that night, but came home and cried. Because I was mm. like, what, what am I going to do? Like, I'm sick of this. I was already unhappy there. So I felt like that was just God's way of, all right, go do what you think you need to do. Mm. So I, I just needed, it gave me the time to think for one. Because, you know, you go, you get in these jobs and all you do is work. And I was literally right. just working, coming home, and I wasn't working on my personal goals. So it mm -hmm. gave me time to think on that. And then that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to go back to school and get this nail certification. So that could fund the stuff that I really love to do. So I had Got to come it. up with the core game plan first. Got it. Got it. And, and, that's, and that's super important because what it sounds like to me, you know, kind of reading it and correct me if I'm wrong, uh -huh. but there was something in you, there was a desire in you that you wanted to do more, but you were okay with doing something else in the meantime in order to achieve that in spite of having a disability because that's another thing that people really really don't take into account is just like we have to think about that piece of it as well so i just think that's very courageous of you to make that decision because a lot of people can't make that decision right disability or not you know what i'm saying yes. people can't make that decision so it's always so much more powerful to me when I recognize other people who have to make that decision along their journey as well. So what was it about the 
the modeling and pageant life that drew you to that world versus something else? Like, where does that passion start to to come about? Uh, for me, it was, I've always been like a music radio junkie. So mm. for me, I saw modeling as like my entry avenue because what I ultimately want to do was like host things and things like that. Hostings for, that. you know, like TV shows, not TV shows, like award shows. And I just want to be, you know, your, your host, you can call on to come host your events. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, but, but in watching things like that, I didn't see us. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, where can I start? You know, especially being in the South where the avenues aren't that big. Where can I start to, to start to see more of us or to promote seeing more of us in these fields? Mm -hmm. And so that to me is what opened the door. And I ain't want to work for nobody no more. <laughs> Listen, can we say that three, four, five more times? I don't want to work for nobody no more. No more. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Period. The ministry. <laughs> Period. Right. Listen, this is not the ministry at all. So was it the, the, cause I'm really interested about the pageant life. I want, I know nothing okay. about the pageant life. There have been people who said, oh, Lola, well, you should do Miss Wheelchair this and Miss Wheelchair, baby. Right. I don't know nothing about it. I, that ain't never was really anything that crossed my mind to do. You know what I mean? So I'm actually really curious for other women who are interested in pageant life, who, and especially, you know, women with disabilities, maybe they may feel like they can't be a pageant queen and all those different things. Kind of explain what that process is like, you know, getting into pageantry, if that's a word. I yes, that's a word. that is a word. Okay, I was girl, off. work with me today, girl. <laughs> started off, I was right where you were. I knew yeah. nothing about it. The only thing I knew was the fact that I had done a pageant in college, but it was, I was kind of pressured into doing that as well. But mm -hmm. it was different. It was like a, a Miss Black and Gold pageant type of situation. And I knew yeah. from that experience that I didn't like how I was handled, but that that's that was completely different from the Miss Wheelchair pageants. I'll say that. Okay. Because for one, when I did that other pageant, it was me against able-bodied people, mm. and so they gave me award for participation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Knowing what I know now, I would not have accepted that, you know. But me being Agreed. young, I was like, huh, cool, you know, whatever. So when I was, they started reaching out to me about two years ago about participating in the Miss Wheelchair Alabama competition. And I'm like, I, I ain't no pageant girl. I'm rough. I'm real rough around the edges. You know, I don't know if I'm the person you're looking for. And like, I kept saying that. And I was like, I, I'll think about it. So then I was like, I'll, I'll think about it. I'll think on it. And last year, they, they really got me. They really got me. And then my doctor persuaded me to do it as well. Um. It was just different. It was a whole different experience. It was welcoming and it allowed me the chance to interact with other women in pageantry that I would probably have never, you know, interacted with before. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a different ball game. I'll just say that. <laughs> so what are some of the things that are involved in either being qualified to being a contestant or uh, what are some of the Cause I know there's like categories, right? Like you, yes. 
yeah so break break that down because i do know that there are there are women and and other people you know other women with disabilities you know like i said they've asked me and i know people have asked my advice like oh i'm about to be in this pageant you got any advice i'm like i don't know yeah. about this stuff so kind of break down a little bit more of what that is and maybe how that even compares to being in a pageant that does involve able-bodied people well for anyone who's interested i want to say don't doubt yourself because you you, you don't know if you'd like it or not until you actually try it mm -hmm. so that i'll just get that out the way it was categories words public speaking and a judge question and answer with the judges mm. and you had to have the public speaking was your platform speech so it's what you want to stand on during your reign and mm -hmm. mine is representation in the media and things of that nature um let me see I didn't think I could do it because I have a fear of public speaking. It, it might not seem like it, but when you really, when you put me in a room and a whole bunch of people looking at me, it's like I shut down. So that that really brought me out of my shell in that aspect and having to practice with the coaches there and just learning how to let go and just and just talk. Mm -hmm. So I want to say it's it's really helpful and beneficial if if okay. that if there's area you struggle with as far as knowing you want to do something greater and you know feeling like oh i don't know if i can do it because that's how i was mm. i don't know if i can do it but it right might so I, I would recommend it if anybody's interested go for it yeah so uh again it's it, it i kind of like am noticing like a, a through line of these moments of courage that you have to have yes. along your journey in order to become successful at what you eventually want to do which is the hosting and all that which i find mm -hmm. interesting that you have a fear you had a fear of public speaking but right. yet it was your passion to be a host so kind of was there anything any tools or um practices or anything that you did to overcome that fear or was it one of those things where you were just like I got pushed into the lion's den and I just got to hope I make it out alive. <laughs> I definitely got pushed into the lion's den. I will say that. But when I started, uh, when I did the one-on-one -on -one sessions, it's more so re repetition. Repetition is definitely the father of learning. Like, that's, that is the absolute truth. The more you do it, the more natural it becomes. But gotcha. I would not have known that had I not done this. Right. So it was really right. something I never knew that I needed to be honest. right absolutely so now that you are miss wheelchair alabama girl <laughs> are there any um responsibilities you feel you need to kind of uh maintain you know as the queen of alabama girl i tr the i truly feel like my responsibility is standing up for those who may not be able to stand up for themselves or don't yet have the courage to stand up for themselves. I, I feel like that's at the top of my responsibilities right now, along with spreading awareness on what the competition is about and how we progress in our platforms and in life. Like you said, like people don't understand how hard it is it, specifically to be a black disabled woman. So I get to stand on that platform and use my soapbox for that. I love that. I love that. And so I want to also kind of just 
immediately ask because this this just popped into my brain right now but the the thing that i always get asked all the time is just like how do you make your disability the the thing you want to use as your platform to to promote change and all of that so how do you get the confidence to use that and not see your disability as you know a negative thing or all of those kinds of things so kind of break down how did you get to that point where you were like okay my disability isn't a negative thing it's actually the thing i'm going to use to you know, achieve my passion and, and change the world in the way that I want to do it. And then be bold enough to be a pageant queen and bold enough to be a host and all of these things. Truthfully, um, it took me a while to get to my confidence area, my, my center of knowing who I am and standing firm on it. Like, I would say modeling, starting off into modeling really helped boost my confidence. And when I saw the responses I was getting from people and and knowing that there was a need for this, it it helped a lot because growing up, it was it was tough. Like I ain't I ain't like this at all, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that really helped. And as far as the pageantry, but well, competition, like they don't like the word pageantry in 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 the the Miss Wheelchair America realm. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah, they correct like me, girl. Competition. Yeah. <laughs> I have to correct myself. Life. Okay. Um, and that I just feel like it's my duty now. Now it's more so, okay, you wanted to do this, show me. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like this is my chance, like, show me you want to do this. So I feel like this is my duty to stand firm in my confidence and tell other people what they can do, what we can do. Because part of my platform was, just like your show, changing that narrative. Like, it's time that we tell our own stories and stop letting people tell them for us. Girl, listen. Girl, you better get back on the stage and say that one more time, goddammit. Okay? I love that. I I love that so freaking much. It's like not even a game. Um, So one thing that I know was very important to you this month was Mental Health Awareness Month. Right. And as we are winding down from Mental Health Awareness Month, obviously mental health is expands past this month oh, yeah. so i kind of want you to talk about because i think a big part of um what you're doing and confidence and how we all can have confidence in all those different things is by having um a solid mental health foundation so because this was something very passionate for you and i know you were talking about it all month kind of break down why mental health was it is and was important especially this month for you well me personally a lot of people don't know but i do see a therapist and mm -hmm. i have battled with depression and anxiety since 2009 so i didn't start going to therapy until the end of last year though okay and that wasn't intentional it just took me a while to find the right one gotcha but if before I was like, I don't need therapy. I don't need therapy. I know what I got because I got diagnosed when I was in college. So I was mm -hmm. self, you know, I thought I could improve it on my own. It, it didn't get better. So gotcha. I feel that this is very important to spread awareness that it's okay to go to therapy. It's okay. Nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's going to, you know, hold it against you. It's okay to look after yourself and protect your mental health. And I've 
another soapbox I want to stand on forever because I don't right. know, I know some of this stuff I deal with, especially coming from the background that I come from. I know it's hereditary. But you mm. know, family is just like, you I. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that that's a tough one. That's a tough one, especially when, you know, especially in the black community. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't until recent years that the black community was like, no, like black people have mental health problems. Correct. Like exactly. it's it's not normal for us to see a certain level of violence every day in the hood and think like, oh, we're just gonna go to school today. Like right. it's not okay. It's, I'm still it's trying not to get okay. my parents to understand why I'm in therapy. They they right. still get it, but it's okay. They'll get it one day. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, and then there's the generational thing. And then, you know, especially being from the South, I know a lot of it, people think you could just pray away. Right. And it's just like, you can pray and go to therapy. Like, you can do both. The two can coexist. <laughs> you can do both. And then dealing with our situations, too, a lot of that weighed heavy on me. And, you mm -hmm. know, things I chose to do to cope and people I chose to dealt with that weren't the healthiest just all of that building up you know over the years got you so kind of speak into um what was the point that drove you to the decision that you were like okay I need help I need I need I need therapy I've tried my coping mechanisms and if you want to speak on it if you don't I'm trying to see the exact moment because I just remember going to my primary care physician one day I was like I never asked before and I was like, hey, uh, what do I need to do to see to see somebody, to talk to somebody, uh, you know, about mental health? And she was like, you mean like therapy? I said, I guess, because, you know, I didn't know what to do. And yeah. I think it was just so many nights. It's, it's so, I still have days where if I don't have nothing to do, I don't want to get out the bed. And it's not just mm. me being tired because I do be tired, but it's right. like I just don't have the energy or I don't want to deal with people. I don't want to. I just want to lay there in my bubble and i know that's yeah. not good yeah so many days like that right right absolutely and i think it's it's important that especially when again black women with disabilities all of that and everything that we have to face in each individual bubble and then put it collectively in one person mm -hmm. is definitely a lot to deal with so for those who may not have access to a therapist or um, any source of outside help. Let's say, you know, they have a family that doesn't quite understand that they have uh, mental health that they want to work on. What would you recommend some uh, practices to be to help people get through their days? Um, my therapist get, gave me some grounding and breathing techniques. They, they help. They really do help. And you can Google different ones that might work for you. Um, that's what she told me to do. So, right. Grounding and breathing techniques and writing. Writing is really therapeutic. You know, instead of posting all these feelings that you might have all throughout the day, write them down and see how you feel. Just mm. keep writing, keep writing till you ain't got nothing left. <laughs> I heard that. But also, there's so many resources online that people don't know about. There's so many mm. resources that you can tap into. You know, if you don't have the money or there's some that do cost, there, there's a lot that you can do for in case you can't get to a therapist. Got it. Got it. I love that. I love that. And super, you know, thank you for letting people know um, because people don't and people don't know where to go. And it is a struggle, you know, dealing with 
everyday life dealing with social media whether it's good stuff or bad stuff on a timeline you know what i mean just dealing with it feeling like we're not good enough we're not right. strong enough pretty enough or any of those things you know it, it's important that you know we all speak out about that so with being a pageant queen being a model uh being a spokesperson now okay uh being a host Okay, um, only uh, playing that, you know, because <laughs> that's what we have to do. That's what you got to do. That's part of that's the biggest part of the process is claiming it and knowing that it's happening, even though we have we may not have reached it yet. Right. But having all of those, you know, titles, um, that and all of those different avenues that you have, what do you want the new narrative to be? for black women with disabilities uh women period what, whatever you want what do you want the new narrative to be with regards to speaking about disability and you know being a black woman first i want to say i know i struggle with i struggled with the thought of well what am i am i disabled first am i black first like what what is this you're all of them and you're all of them at the same time living that and walking that or rolling that you know or whatever your case may be you know right <laughs> um intersectionality is a thing so embrace being all that you are a black disabled woman or black mm -hmm. disabled man any of that and mm -hmm. with that power of knowing who you are create your own narrative of what you want to put out into the world so i want the narrative to be knowing your power and harnessing your power to go out and spread it to others especially in the industry for me anyway <laughs> mic drop even though wait y'all didn't see it mic drop even though that's not a mic that was a pen but mic drop a mic drop Get moment it. i i girl I can't right now. I'm just overwhelmed. I am very, very that that was beautiful. That was right on, spot on, perfect. So, how have you navigated quarantine with your talents? Oh, that is a great question. All right, at first, I wasn't doing nothing, and I didn't feel bad about it. I just was like, okay. Wait, can we pause on that for a second? <laughs> because that's super important. Because. <laughs> I know I was the queen of being like, oh, be creative, do this, do that. Mm -hmm. But you know what? It's okay if I ain't got nothing to do. Because this is right. a situation that we ain't never been in before. So please keep going. I'm sorry. I just I just felt that in my spirit. Now, I'm not going to lie. That first week, I was bummed because I had so many appearances and stuff lined up, specifically for Miss Wheelchair. And I'm like, I'm just now getting to the flow of things and it's crashing down. So I was like dealing with that mentally. But after that, I was like, forget it. I'm gonna rest. I'm gonna figure this out. And I'm gonna come back to all of this later. And once I did, you know, rest, I just figured out, okay, well, we have to switch to online avenues now. So that's when I started to think about the content I wanted to post and the shows I wanted to create or be a part of. And, it's 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 getting there you know it's it's getting easier by the day <laughs> i love that i love that and speaking of shows um talk to us a little bit about your podcast because i forgot to mention that earlier i know you have a podcast so 
So break it down while we while we got everybody still here, and then we'll get back to the Q and A. Well, yeah, uh, the the Will Down podcast is with me and my friend Leonard Harmon. Um, he's actually out there in LA as well, and <laughs> we just talk about the life of living with a disability. I've had mine all my life. He's been in his situation for three years, so it's different perspective, but we reach a common ground, and we like to share our thoughts and views with others while letting other people ask us questions and. We just, it's a big open conversation, basically. And with the show that we record, we just talk about different issues and put it out for the listeners. Got it. Got it. Okay. And you said he's had his disability for three years and you've had yours for your whole life. So specifically, what is your disability? And then what is his? So people could kind of have more of a, an understanding. And that way, when they, you know, watch and listen to the show, they, they know what they're getting. Mine is spina bifida, and I was diagnosed at birth, and I've been in a wheelchair since I was three years old. He is paraplegic. He had a motorcycle accident about three years ago. So that's Got where it. I'm from. Got it. Okay, wonderful. And it's called The Wheel Down, right? The Wheel Down. Mm -hmm. And it's, okay. right now it's only on SoundCloud, but me and you are going to talk because I still <laughs> haven't gotten that info from you. But yeah, right now it's on SoundCloud, and now if you follow me, I'll put it up for you guys. <laughs> yes, yes. So you guys make sure you follow K Chantel so that way you can watch the the live with him and her. Yes, we're live and on then, Wednesday nights. Every Wednesday night we go live. At what time? Seven seven o'clock you guys time. Nine o'clock my time. Seven o'clock Pacific time, nine o'clock central, central time. time right <laughs> nine o'clock central time girl listen these time zones we gotta get together nine o'clock central time seven o'clock pacific time the wheel mm -hmm. down with k and a friend leonard leo, mm -hmm. leo. y'all go listen to it watch it every wednesday here we go back to the q a <laughs> girl just listen right now ain't nothing girl <laughs> you gotta be shameful about plugging your shit. Okay. Okay. Listen. She was there last night. She was there last night. Hey, Andrea. <laughs> I love it. This is actually. Um, let me see. Okay. Here's a good one. What advice would you give someone who wants to become an advocate for people with disabilities? Um, it's no avenue, no right or wrong avenue to take when you want to become an advocate. But what I will tell you is study and brush up on your, you've been, brush up on your shit so you know what you're talking about. Because there will be somebody that will correct you if you're wrong. That is a fact. That That's number one. But other than that, there's no right or wrong avenue to take in being a disability. You just, you just study and know what you're talking about. So mm -hmm. you can start talking about what you want to stand on. Exactly. Exactly. And I for would, me, I found a mentor. If you can't find a good mentor, yes, <laughs> find a good mentor. Study up on your shit. And but ultimately, it's exactly what Kay said. There is no right or wrong avenue. It's literally about doing it and doing it in whatever medium you do it. Whether it's through videos, whether it's through photos, whether it's through right. audio, or whatever the case is just do it and then people will gravitate to it for sure correct okay was race considered in your choice of therapist Ooh, and this is a very very important question that's a so great question. 
Go ahead. I'm going to be honest. Yes, it was. It was a very important. I tried to be open-minded and, and just try, you know, a therapist. And the first one I had was an older Caucasian woman, and that just didn't work for me. So I was fortunate enough to find not only a black woman as a therapist, but she's also around my age range. Yeah, I got Oh, God bless me. She He placed her in the bar with me one night. And she just happened to be a therapist. <laughs> that is jackpot. It is. It is. That is jackpot therapy. It is. Like. It's important. It's important for somebody to know, to kind of empathize with you. Right. Even if she won't quite understand the disability part, she'll understand everything else. It, girl, <laughs> mic drop, mic drop. Exactly. Because that's the thing that I don't think people understand too is the importance of having relatability when you do use a therapist or you resort to anybody that you want to talk to about your life and the things that you're going through. So I'm really, really glad that that that, that was a great was question. there. <laughs> that was a great question. Shout out to my Auntie Brenda. Ah, it's okay. <laughs> so true. Um, what are you doing to prepare to be an award show host? That's my mama. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that recording the podcast and learning the ins and outs of how that goes, you know, and voice inflection and things like that is really helping me to prepare for more public speaking, especially being a host. And also, I do some interviewing with the local magazine here where I was just writing at first. We've switched to in-person interviews. That was an experience that really helped me, too. Wonderful. Wonderful. I love that. And, and, and it's important to know that, like, with any dream, with any passion that you have, you do have to take necessary steps Absolutely. before before reaching that to prepare yourself for that moment mm -hmm. because i've had moments where i was like yeah i want to do this and i'm finna do this da, da, da. then i got the opportunity to do it and was like oh i don't know what the hell i'm doing you have to you have to but it's you have to master your craft and you have to be able to recognize like Mm, I wasn't as prepared as I thought I was. Right. But those moments are good because they're humbling experiences. Oh, yes. So that way it really motivates you and takes you to the next stage when it is time for that next opportunity. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that is great for people to know. Because that's another thing is, and I'm going to talk on this because it just popped in my head. But that's another thing is that sometimes as people with disabilities, and I'll be completely honest, we get comfortable in thinking just because we have a disability, we deserve an opportunity. Ooh, preach. Especially when I was in college. So, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. That is so true. Just, just because you have... So. Girl, break <laughs> it down. Tell me the story. <laughs> like, seriously. Because that's the thing is, like, we do kind of get used to having kind of, like, a red carpet treatment. Yes. Yes. And we and we and we're aware that people see us and feel some type of way and think they want to do this, that, and the third. So so we know. 
You know what I mean? But just because you have a disability does not mean you're going to get an opportunity or that you deserve the opportunity or anything like that. You have to be able to perform at the same level as the next person. Because if you do get that sympathetic, you know, opportunity because they feel bad and they want to they want to make themselves look good by calling themselves inclusive and yet you still don't do a good job. That ain't helping nobody. But not only do you have to perform just as well, sometimes you got to perform three times as good as the last person, especially as an able-bodied person. Because half the time, they're not even looking at you because you have a disability. So. Exactly. Exactly. So all of that. All of that. Okay. Let's get to some more questions. Um, let's do this one. How did you find your passion? Um, my passion, which I feel like is advocacy and speaking. Um, and I think my talent is nails. And I feel like those are very different. So I will say how I found my passion. I got with this group called Come Roll With Me. And this was way before doing the competition in this wheelchair competition. And that's when they exposed me to speaking with children. And I liked it. And so I was like, if I can speak to kids, I think I can speak to other people. So I, I think that opened me up. Working with Come Roll With Me definitely helped me in my speaking before the competition did as well. I love it. I love that so much. My auntie said, let me see your nails. Ooh, they're not done. <laughs> Girl, listen, because my nails are <laughs> And I they don't mean. have no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Okay, here we go. We're going to do a couple more questions because I definitely don't want the time to run out. Um, do you miss being in corporate America? And what would you say is the highlight of your accomplishments? Ooh, I'm not even ashamed to say this. I don't have any accomplishments in corporate America. I felt like corporate America was stifling to me and the type of personality that I have. So no. I don't miss it at all. I don't that, miss it that at part. All. <laughs> I heard that. Okay, so then what is the highlight of your accomplishments outside of corporate America? Uh, the highlight, definitely Miss Wheelchair is one. Is one. Um, I think being respected as a model versus when I first started, people were actually who actually come up to me in public and be like, hey, aren't you that model? And I'm like, I guess I am. And that's, I'm not, I'm still not used to that. And so I, I feel like that's an accomplishment, a personal accomplishment. I love that. I love that. Yeah, that gets, that gets some getting used to. I know like when people be like, oh my gosh, are you Lolo? And I'm like, uh, yes. Right. I guess so. Like, and sometimes, and the weirdest thing is like, when people, like, they don't say my name, and they'll be like, oh, my gosh, I love you so much. I follow you on Instagram. Yes. I, I, like, second-guess it. I'm like, am I the person that they talking about? Right. Or... Sometimes I have, to, I have to ask questions and follow up because I need to know, are you talking about me? Because a lot of people say I look like some girls here, and I'm like, where did you see me? And then they'll, <laughs> they'll tell me, and I'm like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> okay. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? 
it, it definitely takes some getting used to. Like, it's real. Um, okay, so we're going to do one more question. Does therapy cost money? Essentially, and let me just break it down for the audience. A lot of the times, it, as a person with a disability, if you have a certain level of um, health insurance, there is still kind of like a checkbox of what insurance will cover um, based on your disability. So if they will, they may cover 90% of the cost of your wheelchair, but you still have to come out of pocket for the 10%. Or they may be able to cover one wheelchair, but they have, but they're not willing to help you with public transportation costs mm -hmm. or something like that. So just so people kind of have a more kind of understanding of kind of how health insurance works as a person with a disability that's kind of where this question is really rooted from so if you are a person with a disability and want to go to therapy you know what does the cost look like how how is that covered for you okay the breakdown from my experience when i started going at the end of the year last year it was covered like you said, only a certain percentage wasn't covered. My copay was like $30. Yeah. So when the quarantine thing, well, let me go back. When the new year started, you get a new deductible and your insurance starts mm -hmm. all the way over. Mm -hmm. Therapy was not covered. In the beginning, mm. I had to pay out of pocket until my deductible was paid out. Mm. So I had to make the decision, do I want to do that? Or do I want to stop going until my deductible kicks in? Mm -hmm. But I needed it, so I kept going and I paid for it. Um, it was $75. This mm. is what now. It was $75 a session. But what I did have to do was cut my sessions down. Where I was supposed to go twice, once every two weeks, I was only going once a month. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so now that the whole quarantine situation has started, they switched to telehealth. And what I didn't know was, tele when you're doing therapy sessions on telehealth, your insurance covers the entire cost. No copay, no nothing. Interesting. And that's therapy from the comfort of your own home. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, the kind of therapy we're talking about is when you go sit for your mental health. Right, we're talking about therapy. Psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. We're talking about psychotherapy. We are not talking about physical therapy. We are talking about psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. And yes, depending on what state, what type of insurance, everything is completely different. But the reason I really wanted us to talk about this is because a lot of the times, as people with disabilities, if we have health insurance, we assume if it doesn't have to do with the wheelchair or the canes or the, 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 the pumps or whatever the case is, we can't look to get um, assistance with any other forms of um, health aid that we need that isn't right. necessarily about the devices that we need to get through the day. So that's why I definitely really wanted us to, to touch on that, that just call your health insurance. Yes. And well, I don't even have to do that. This, this is all a part of advocacy as, as well. Mm -hmm. Ask the questions you need to ask to whoever you need to ask them to, especially when you're sitting at the doctor's office. Don't just let them talk to you and tell you what you need, which, what this got to be done. You ask them what you, what you need, yes. what you think needs to be done, because don't nobody really know your body but you. 
Exactly. And that's so I that's, asked all the questions. Girl, <laughs> listen. Because I struggled with that. I struggled with that. My mom literally used to have to tell me, Lauren, don't go in there prepping them for the answer that they're about to tell you. Go in there and say, this is my problem. And sit back and tell and have them give you the solutions. Mm -hmm. And then you say, that don't work for me. What else? Mm. And you ask the questions that you want. And you say, uh-uh. You know what? Don't, and, and my mom always tells me, don't downplay how you feel. Don't be right. like, oh, right. well, I do got a little cough, but... <laughs> You know, I really came from my elbow. Girl, talk about your elbow. Talk about your cough. Talk about and the And then you don't know what you're talking about. Like, you don't know how you feel. I know one time I got so frustrated with the doctor that I sat there and let him talk to me for however long. And when he left, I sat down and I got to write. Me and my, my, my therapist, I got to write. I wrote this man a letter and I left it on that desk. I told the nurse, I said, can you make sure he gets that? I heard that. And he, I heard that. He ended up writing me back in the patient portal. And so how did that go? Did, was it like a teachable moment for him or was he like still an asshole? I don't know about him. In the in the message he did say he kind of heard me out. And as far that's but that's before COVID hit and we can't move forward right, right. now. But of course. He did kind of hear me out and I haven't seen him since. Mm -hmm. But I think it was more so of a teachable moment for me. Mm. Like, if you get frustrated, don't just shut down like I had done. Like, no, tell him what you want and get it done. Got you, got you. And again, that's a, a very important thing for everyone to know and learn. And especially, you know, as people with disabilities, a lot of times we like to assume that the doctor knows everything. And they know a lot. We're not saying don't listen to your doctor right they know a lot but if there is anything that you're feeling or something don't feel right about what they said or what they're telling you to do or forcing you to take really advocate for yourself in those moments and be like i'll tell the doctor straight up because you know how many times they try to pump prescription pills on me and i don't take medications girl not I'm not, not one. <laughs> and i never will I'm i not never will to. I, I never will, but they tell, oh, you got back pain? Oh, well, we got this prescription for this. Oh, uh, you're having tremors? Go ahead, take this prescription for this. Take this prescription. No. 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 <laughs> you can write that script all you want to. I'm not going to pick it up. Period. I've done Period. That. I've done that. And the pharmacy will keep calling you like, are you coming to get your prescription? Nope. <laughs> nope. Send it back. Nope. <laughs> right. Period. Period. Because but we I, have luckily to. I have doctors who understand now. That's just a surgeon. Not just a surgeon. I'm not going to say that he's nobody, but that's a surgeon that I have to deal with. But luckily, I do have regular doctors that I see that understand me as a person. And she knows not only am I not going to take the medicine, but I can't. Like, my body doesn't like medicine. Mm. Every time I mm. take something, I get sick. Mm. Interesting interesting see and you know they don't pay attention again we're not saying not to take prescription pills no. we're not saying take any medication that is given to you we are saying though if something about what they're doing doesn't feel right 
or you don't agree with it, it's okay to not agree with it and get second opinions from other doctors, right. Right. you know, uh, look up different types of doctors, you know, some, you know, different medicines. And all. Again, this is about to go into a whole different direction. Nonetheless, it's okay. They need to hear it. <laughs> right. What we're saying is just advocacy isn't just about creating content and doing five fly fun stuff. Advocacy is about when you're in the doctor's office, when you're at the store, when you're kicking it outside with friends. Advocacy is literally all day, every day, every moment. So get that through our heads, okay? But nonetheless, Kay, thank you so much for being my guest today. This was amazing. We talked about so much. We talked about being a queen. We talked about blackness. We talked about health. We talked about mental health. We talked about advocacy. So we talked about so much, and this was such a jam. And this was so much more than I even expected. So I'm super duper happy to have talked to you today, especially under the circumstances of the world. But thank you so much. Plug yourself one more again, girl. Thank Hannah. you. Thank you for having me again. I am Kay Chantel. My name's right there in the pinned comment. You can follow me if you're not already following me. Um, my Miss Wheelchair Alabama page is on Facebook. It's Miss Wheelchair Alabama America, Carnesha Chantel. I know that's a lot. If I have to, I'll type it in the comments. But you can follow this page as well, like this page. I have content there that is specifically related to Miss Wheelchair Alabama. And the Wheel Down podcast, again, we're live every Wednesday night. And the Wheel Down is on SoundCloud. It's the Wheel Down. Simple. Perfect. Me, guys. Awesome. Well, thank you, boo. I appreciate it. And you guys catch us next time on The New Narrative. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye, y'all. I just love speaking with this queen. It was such a needed conversation, given the current climate of the country right now. When we spoke, it was right when the video of the murder of George Floyd at the hands of the police in Minneapolis had went viral. For both of us to be black women, it struck us hard that day. But we had agreed that even in the midst of trauma, we wanted to try to shed some light in whatever form we could. I am thankful to her for still having such a well-rounded conversation and express vulnerably her experiences. Be sure to stay up to date with her on her podcast, The Wheel Down, available on SoundCloud. And follow her on Instagram at k.chantelofficial. Thank you again and catch me next time on The New Narrative. This podcast is brought to you by Entertainment Speakers Bureau in association with Sitting Pretty Productions and Tasty Shop Media with production sound design by Bonnie and Clyde Productions.